This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little beautiful girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man that he is. The big things I love to hear from Abner are his journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, and then he talks about the sports, music, culture, and family life. Just amazing. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episode in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the October 16th episode, and as always, we are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. It is my pleasure today to talk to one of my favorite people in the industry, Marcus Mosier. He's the managing editor at the Raiders Wire, host of Locked On Cowboys and Locked On Dynasty podcast, as well as a writer for Bookies, Sportsbook Wire, and Bleacher Report. Marcus is one of the few analysts out there that can combine his incredible NFL knowledge with fantasy football insight. Crazy, insightful person to follow on Twitter, at Marcus underscore Mosier. Great guy to get in here to talk about week six after such a noteworthy week five with so many issues going on. Marcus, great to talk to you again. How's the family and the baby on the way? Uh, we're doing well, Mike. It's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, we got a baby coming here at the end of December, early January. So right around, you know, the NFL playoffs. I'm sure that won't throw a... A wrench into all my plans for for this off season, but that's no, we're excited. It's a, it's it's been a great year. Listen, it gives you reason to, to watch the games and watch the old twenty two with some teams because you're going to be up anyway, my friend. So why, right. why I'm going to be up way more than I am right now. So I'm sure I'll be getting more content done. So it's great. Well, we're going to move things around here because, of course, I don't want to bury the lead. I'm going to start with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the whole day here now has been spent making notes on Twitter on who he's following. He followed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on Instagram, but then he followed Cole Beasley. This will drop tomorrow morning on Friday, so he could be with the team by then. But where do you think Le'Veon Bell's going here, Marcus? I would have to guess the Chiefs. I think that's probably the best fit for him. It sounds like on Wednesday night the Chiefs were close to a deal. Didn't get done, but they're still optimistic. I, listen, Mike, I don't know. I, I'm just not a Le'Veon Bell guy anymore. We haven't seen him rush for 100 yards in a game since 2017. It looks like the quickness is gone. There's no home run speed anymore. Yeah, I know if you get him into an offense where you know he's throwing the ball more, or, well, you know, in an offense where they're throwing the ball more, I think maybe he could have some value, but I think he's just a bigger name than an actual player at this point. Don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. I Listen, 
I've rewatched all of Clyde Edwards Hilaire's goal line rushes because that's, of course, what you hear that he's 0 of 7 on the goal line. Those are not runs that Le'Veon Bell would have gotten through. Le'Veon Bell likes to linger behind the line for a second and find those holes. So they weren't appearing. I don't know if this is a move that they feel they need to do just to have some reinforcements or something with Clyde Edwards Hilaire they're seeing in practice. But I think he's been really impressive. Do you, what do you think would be Bell's fantasy value if he goes there? I mean, do you see him stepping in and getting 55% of the touches? No, right. There, there's just no way that he's going to become a feature back anywhere. He probably becomes, you know, this guy that gets 10, 12 touches a game. I, again, I, I think he's going into a James White role at this stage of his career. Again, I, I just don't see the explosiveness. There's no twitchy twitchiness there anymore. I think Kansas City is looking for somebody that can just give Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit of a break. And listen, one of the things that Bell does very well is that he's a great pass protector. So maybe in that offense they want to uh, shorten the load a little bit or lighten the load a little bit on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They can do so in the receiving game and the blocking game. But again, I don't see him being a workhorse, uh, you know, RB1 in fantasy anytime soon. I think those days are gone. I agree. Totally in agreement. Yeah, it could be a good move for him, and, and we'll see what happens. Let's talk about the Cowboys, of course. Dak Prescott injury was just brutal in every way possible. He was playing so well, took the franchise tag, has this freak injury. It was awful to see. He's trying to put his foot back in place there initially when he stamped it on the ground. Just a, a devastating injury. Talk about that, what it means for Dak in his future, and, of course, what you think, uh, how things are going to go here in the Cowboys offense with Andy Dalton uh, behind center. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because this was such a – tough year for Dak Prescott. I'm not even going to look at the football side of things yet, but just the off-the-field stuff, right? Everybody wants to focus on the contract uh, and what happened and what didn't happen, but there was a lot of other things going on behind the scenes, right? We know about his brother who passed away uh, in April. Um, you know, Dak suffered with some, you know, some mental illness, with some depression and anxiety, and he talked about that and spoke out about it. Um, and was really doing a lot of great things in the Dallas community to help people with some mental illnesses. So um, to get onto the field and to produce the way that he was, um, and he was, I mean, he was going to have an historic season with the Cowboys this year, and then for it to end that way is just absolutely brutal. Um, long term, I don't think this affects Prescott or the Cowboys at all. He's going to be there. He wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. So if you're worried about your shares of CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, I, I wouldn't worry about any of that. As for Andy Dalton, I think he's competent, right? I think he is somebody who can get the ball to the receivers. Again, not at the same rate as what Prescott did, not at the same efficiency, but I do think he's good enough to, to feed guys like Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. Um, there's going to be more turnovers. He's probably going to take more sacks. Uh, again, this Cowboys offensive line is not good at all. Um, but again, confident, probably not somebody you're going to be rostering in one quarterback leagues in fantasy football, but good enough to, to help those other guys uh, remain relevant. I don't think people should panic about the fantasy value this year. Remember, Andy Dalton was a guy that if we go back to the 2015 season, people were actually talking after 13 games that he was an MVP candidate. Now, listen, he's not as good as Dak Prescott. That's fine. But he's certainly going to be able to get get him the ball. He's probably the most competent backup that you have in the NFL. And this offense is going to have to score points because the defense has always struggled. So sure. I, I, I kind of think that he's going to be able to keep the floor of that fantasy value for those receivers high, right? 
Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, again, I think of all the three receivers, I think Amari's Cooper values probably drops a little bit just because the, the connection between Prescott and Amari was so good. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it brings up Michael Gallup's value. We saw in yep. you know one of the few series that Andy Dalton played, uh, he did target Michael Gallup down the field. And I think with Gallup consistently drawing the second-best cornerback, uh, Andy Dalton does throw a, a pretty good deep ball. I uh, would not be surprised if Gallup's value remains the same or even increases a little bit over the next 11 weeks. Speaking of Cooper, what happened, Marcus, in that Giants game? I mean, Bradbury was on him. Cooper has been so good at home, especially as a favorite. I, I talked about it in my Stacks article. thought he was really going to have a big game. Was it scheme? Were there other options open? Or, or did Bradbury really, is he just playing at that high level? I do think the Giants defense is a little bit underrated right mm. now because they don't have a win. But what exactly happened with Cooper there last week? Yeah, so a few things. Um, first of all, we need to acknowledge that Amari is still pretty banged up. The Cowboys are being kind of careful with him. Uh, they're not overusing him in practice. And even in games, they're rotating other guys in just to, to keep the workload down. But one of the reasons why the Cowboys went out and got C.D. Lamb this offseason is they wanted to be able to uh, basically funnel their offense to the worst cornerback on every single team. Uh, in some matchups, there's just an overwhelming amount of, uh, of a talent differential between Amari Cooper and the guy that's guarding him. In this game against the Giants, James Bradbury is a really, really good corner. So yeah. why waste targets throwing against a fantastic corner when you can go to the other side of the field and there's just match, you know, positive matchups galore, right? Uh, the the Giants had no answer for Ceedee Lamb. They tried to they tried to start off and man, uh, he obliterated them in the first quarter. They switched the zone. He was still killing them. Uh, Michael Gallup had a favorable matchup on the outside. So again, this is going to be a little bit of just game script, right? If there's an opponent that has a good cornerback, look for the Cowboys to go elsewhere. In week six, Dallas plays Arizona. They've got one really good quarterback in, cornerback in Patrick Peterson. He's probably going to fo- follow Amari Cooper, which means that's probably another CD Lamb, Michael Gallup game. So it's going to be game script dependent. I wouldn't worry about Amari too much. It's just kind of the nature of the beast here with these three dominant receivers for the Dallas. Yeah, standalone DFS players. I hope you're taking note of that. That's some good insight there, as always, from Marcus. Now let's get to the big positive story from Week 5. The Raiders pulled off the upset of the season, that big 40-32 win at Kansas City. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, brilliant. 347 yards, three touchdowns against a cheap pass defense that was first in DOA, pass defense DOA per football outsiders coming into that game. Marcus, how did they pull it off, and were you as shocked as the general public was at how well they played on both sides of the ball in that game? Absolutely. Um, You know, on the second drive of the game, they had a third and one, and Derek Carr overthrew Darren Waller down the field, and it was an interception. And I think everybody that was watching that game just rolled their eyes and said, oh, okay, here we go again. The Raiders uh, can't compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I thought they showed a lot of mental toughness in this game. Uh, the Raiders, you know, they were missing some guys on offense. They're missing a ton of guys on defense. They found ways to make plays. This is a offense now that is going to take some shots down the field. We saw Henry Ruggs connect on two deep balls. Nelson Aguilar making plays down the field. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, they recorded an insane 32 pressures against Patrick Mahomes. So wow. uh, they found ways to, to disrupt the quarterback. I think the, the biggest thing about this Raiders team that differs from the previous seasons is, again, the mental toughness, right? 
they believe they can compete and beat good teams in the league. We've already seen them beat New Orleans in week two. Uh, they hung with the Patriots for a while despite a lot of injuries uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And now they beat Kansas City in, in Kansas City. Uh, I think Gruden has his team playing way above their heads. And if they can get some of these guys back, again, on the offensive line, Trent Brown, Richie Incognito, I, it would not be that surprising if this Raiders team finished the season with nine to ten wins. Yeah, and I think, Marcus, correct me if I'm wrong, their schedule opens up after these next two games here. I, I, I think they're going to have a, a decent run of games mm-hmm. coming up after after the next few. So I, I think there are chances here that they could really, after Buccaneers and Browns, I mean, there's some opportunities here where they could do some stuff. they got Falcons, Jets, right? A couple of them in there are pretty good. Yeah, and I think now that you got a win against Kansas City, like I think going 5-1 and one in the division seems very likely, right? I don't think Denver is anything to be worried about this year. Uh, the Chargers have talent, but they can they can never finish a game, and they've already got a win against Kansas City. So if they can go five and one, four and two in the division, uh, I think they're going to be just fine. Again, games against the Jets, uh, a late season game against the Colts, they're going to be all right. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one, folks, number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike those other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You're only going to pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in that hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get your view on some of these seasonal waiver wire pickups this week. Of course, I have to start with the man in Pittsburgh. I mean, Chase Claypool came out and did a Calvin Johnson imitation. Uh, You know, obviously he looks great, high draft capital, the whole thing with Ben. But Deontay Johnson should be back. He may be back this week or next week. How much of that performance do you think was a product of Deontay Johnson being out? It's it's difficult, right? Because I do think Claypool is an interesting prospect from a height, weight, speed perspective. Um, I mean, he's he's like Martavis Bryant 2.0 in Pittsburgh, and uh, he might even be better after the catch. So I do think as a prospect he's really good, but I think you're right to point out the situation. Deontay Johnson went out with a back injury. Um, whenever Deontay has played, he's really been the number one target of this offense. Um, I think there's also going to be a pretty big regression here for 
Uh, Chase Claypool, in terms of touchdowns, he does not have an end zone target yet. Uh, but to be able to score six touchdowns this season uh, is absolutely incredible. So uh, I think I think he's certainly going to have you know value for the rest of the season. But to expect him to produce like a wide receiver one or even a, you know a wide receiver two doesn't feel all that likely. As we're taping this, the Vikings-Falcons game is still on. So Alexander Madison, Marcus, the thing that's sort of going under the radar here in the DFS world is that his price on DraftKings is, is I believe he's the third highest running back this week. So obviously Madison game gets played, going to get the majority of touches. He's not great in the passing game, but he's better. Do you think it's that simple that he's a plug-and-play this week in, in DFS? I do. I mean, this is a running back on a team that loves to feed the running backs. I mean, it's it's really that simple. I know the offensive line isn't great, uh, but the matchup is um, I, I think Alexander Madison is just an okay talent, uh, but it doesn't matter if you're going to get 24, 25 touches a game against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So uh, at a price of like 7,200 on DraftKings, uh, I'm interested, especially in a week where it's going to be so difficult to find valuable running back production with so many guys injured and a few running backs on by. And if you're playing in just like a Sunday slate of games, you know, we've got two Monday, two Monday games that, you know, take away an Ezekiel Elliott, a Kenyon Drake, a uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm buying Alexander Madison this week in DFS, especially if you can, if you compare him with a cheaper running back uh, at, at, with your RB2 spot. Yeah, great point. And um, Mecole Hartman now. Sammy Watkins going to be out. Demarcus Robinson, what was it? Was it last year against the Chiefs where Robinson went bananas? And had, I think it was the second week of the year, had a big game. So is Hartman going to slide in now that he's a, a year more experienced? Or do you think Demarcus Robinson, who's off everybody's radar right now, and I believe he had a touchdown catch last week that was called back on a penalty. Mm-hmm. Do you think he could be a guy who could slide in here while Watkins is out? That's a great question because the the right answer is probably Robinson, right? If we're playing this you know, percentage-wise, the more valuable fantasy receiver probably 8 out of 10 times is probably going to be Demarcus Robinson. But I don't think any of us are all that excited to start Demarcus Robinson. Right, right? Right. I think I think McCall Hardman is the upside play here, right? Because if he hits, you know, there's a great chance that he finishes this, you know, game against Buffalo with, you know, three catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns because of the upside so high. Um, to me, if you have both of them in – a fantasy league, or if you're looking to play one of these two in DFS, I'm going with the upside play here because of you know what Hardman can do down the field. But recognize Robinson is probably the more likely player to to score more fantasy points this week. Got a question here from Pardue in Miami. Can we get some Miles Gaskin love down here for the Dolphins? Current PPR RB15, and he rendered Jordan Howard as a game day inactive. I get it. Still Jordan Howard, but mm. still. Dolphins are a surprising two and three, just a half game behind the Pats. How do you project Gaskin rest of season? <sighs> I struggle with Gaskin, man. I, I just struggle with that whole offense because I feel like it's going to – drop down at some point to, to league average. I mean, they've been playing outside their minds over the last couple of weeks. I think Gaskin is a fine running back. I don't think he's anything more than that. I don't think he's a special talent. Um, but I don't necessarily think Matt Breda and Jordan Howard aren't either. So, I mean, to project him as a top 15, 16 running back feels right. He's just never somebody that's in my lineups that I feel all that, all that good about. I think he's a boomer bust RB2. Um, and the upside is limited. So if you can trade him in your local fantasy league, 
uh, for somebody with maybe a little bit higher ceiling in a, you know, uh, more stable running back room, I would do that. Cole in Washington. Terry McLaurin is really struggling with the QB play. Is he going to get going? And if Alex Smith ends up being the QB moving forward, does his lack of deep passes banish McLaurin to the land of low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver three territory? McLaurin, very explosive. Didn't exactly, Marcus, have the greatest quarterback play last year, but certainly people are keying on him. Struggled there against Jalen Ramsey, but can he get it going here second half of the year? So, Mike, I think we both agree that Terry McLaurin is a super talented player, right? We love his yep. game when we watch him. But whenever you draft a receiver, you're really drafting the quarterback as well. And this is one of the problems I have with Terry McLaurin is just you knew going into the season, unless Dwayne Haskins took a significant jump, you were going to be dealing with subpar quarterback play all season long. And that a lot of times leads to pretty inconsistent play week to week. Now, the targets may be there the overall efficiency is going to be pretty low, and that's going to make you frustrated all season long. Alex Smith is interesting because um, we saw, like, in his last season with Kansas City, he was more aggressive throwing the ball down the field. But I think that was more of an Andy Reid thing than the Alex Smith thing. And now when you consider the injuries that Alex Smith has, he's not the most mobile quarterback. He's not going to get outside the pocket. That Washington offensive line is falling apart by the week. Um, I'm probably looking to get out now from McLaurin because, again, I think wide receiver two, wide receiver three production is likely over the course of a 16-game season, but to project when those are going to happen on a week-to-week basis is going to be incredibly frustrating. Uh, You know, he might have one boom week for three bus weeks, so um, he's, he's probably just not a player that I want uh, occupying one of those wide receiver spots uh, this season. So again, if you can move him for somebody in a more stable situation, I would do that. You know, he reminds me a lot of Todd Gurley this year in fantasy value because Gurley had that big game last week, and I've been saying it may be a time to let him go because you never know what the injuries and the Falcons are going the wrong way. Same with Washington. If McLaurin burns the Giants here and gets a big pass play in the NFC East battle on Sunday, it may be time to move him because I, I just, you're right, I don't see this developing into a consistent, you know, productive situation. And he's kind of was drafted around the area of a DJ Chark who is injured. So you have a healthy McLaurin and you don't have to worry about the injury tag. So yeah, that this is a guy, right, who who you probably could look to move. And I don't think he's the bottom has fallen out yet. Right. And I think, again, this week against the Giants, he's going to be matched up against James Bradbury, a, a really good corner. So Again, he could see 10, 11 targets, but it would be would it be all that surprising if he finishes game, this game with four receptions for 34 yards and you're disappointed once again? I feel that's pretty likely. Yeah, you just hope he gets that touchdown with it to increase his trade value, definitely. A breakfast, Marcus, is huge on the road of his mailbag. It's the import, most important meal of the day. What do you have to jumpstart breakfast? And if you do have cereal, I need to know your favorite. Yeah, so I used to be a big cereal guy, um, and Reese Puffs were the, the go-to cereal. But as I've as I've aged, I, I've grown up a little bit, and I go with the votes. But a good Frosted Flakes every once in a while, uh, some Cheerios, the Honey Nut Cheerios, those are always good as well. But um, lately, I've been just a, a black coffee guy, and then got to get our sponsor out there, Built Bar, uh, protein bars that we that sponsor nice. our, our podcast. Uh, absolutely fantastic in the morning. So I, I, I typically do one of those. Um, and then, listen, 
I'm an orange juice guy as well. Love to have a, a nice big glass of orange juice to help wake you up in the morning. So orange juice, uh, a protein bar, coffee, and then on the weekends, uh, a breakfast sandwich. I like a little bit of sausage with cheese and bacon. You know, just just throw all that together on an on a English muffin or a bagel, and I'm good to go. There are very few things that I enjoy more than Sunday morning pancakes, oh. putting, to, putting together some lineups and checking the news there. I agree. Coffee all the way. And the protein bar is a good call because it's a fast-paced world, right? you got to get something on the go. Absolutely. i got one, one breakfast question to ask you. Uh, are you a bagel guy uh, in the morning? I am a bagel guy. They're big here on the East Coast. So I got about six bagel places between myself and work. I mean, I'm such a weak-minded person, Marcus. The chance of me driving by them is very difficult every morning. I've got got a bagel, a a brand-new bagel uh, place that's about two minutes from my house, and I can't turn it down. I get one of those everything bagels. They're they're homemade. They're fresh every morning. Uh, It's hard to ignore. Everything bagel. We're on the same wavelength. Exactly. Perfect. Time for buy or sell. So I'm going to give you some guys here. Buy or sell. What do you think rest of season? First one's interesting, Debo Samuel. Uh, Full disclosure, I like Debo. The Garoppolo disaster last week I think has cooled people on him. He is still the wide receiver one. Ayuk is getting acclimated to the offense, and Kittle's there that throws enough shade on his value. I kind of like Debo. What do you think? Yeah, I'm buying Debo. Um, You know, when we saw him last year, the 49ers were doing everything possible to get the ball in his hands. I think as the season goes along, they're going to start feeling more comfortable giving him the ball on those jet sweeps, running screens to him. Uh, you know, with all their injuries at receiver, I think he's by far the most reliable. Uh, this offense is going to get better. I mean, it can't really get any worse considering all the injuries. So, yeah, I'm buying Debo, especially for this, you know, the, the next couple of weeks in a playoff run. I think he can get back to wide receiver two value. I gave you my thoughts on Gurley before, but I've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter because people are saying, look, running backs are dropping like flies, Mm -hmm. injuries all over the place. So we get it. Gurley's older, the degenerative knee, but he is in an explosive offense that probably is going to have negative game scripts. So maybe he'll get some cheap garbage time and they feel that his touchdown value is high enough to keep him there. You buying or selling Todd Gurley? Yeah, I'm selling. Um, You mentioned the negative game scripts. I think that's going to kill him over the next 11 weeks. Uh, You know, He's been a pretty inefficient runner if you take out that game against Carolina. Uh, I'm going to read you his yards per carry totals over the last four weeks. Uh, 4.0, 2.9, 5.7 against Chicago, only on 14 carries. 3.6 against Green Bay. And then 8.6 against Carolina. That's just not sustainable. Uh, this Atlanta team looks like a dumpster fire. Uh, if they start the season out at 1-9, and 2-10, something like that, I think they're going to, to be very careful with Todd Gurley. I don't see him having a ton of value in the passing game. Uh, even though he got five targets last week, uh, I'm out on Todd Gurley. Plus the injury, right? We, we know that he's just a, kind of a ticking time bomb with his knees. So uh, while he's healthy, while he's coming off a big game, uh, I'm trying to move him. And if they blow it up, or Arthur Blank said everything's on the table, they blow it up with Julio or Matt Ryan, you're not keeping Todd Gurley, who came in on that contract, right? So Absolutely. I know people liked Brian Hill. The team liked Brian Hill, wanted to get a shot. He could definitely get a shot here second half of the year. Absolutely. I just think that there's no way that Ty Gurley is going to make it through a 16-game schedule. And then on a team that's defense is so bad, I just don't see very many opportunities for him to retain his value. 
One of the most curious things that happened in fantasy world here was A.J. Green was getting peppered with targets the first two weeks, and it was like, look, Burrow's going for him. He's getting the air yards, a lot of air yards the first two weeks. Then all of a sudden, he's fallen off a cliff, and T. Higgins has stepped forward and really produced. Oh. So where do you see Higgins here in a, in a passing offense in Cincinnati rest of the season? Yeah, I think he's the wide receiver to own outside of Tyler Boyd. Uh, 24 targets over the last three weeks. He's making plays down the field. He had two touchdowns against Philadelphia. I think as this season progresses, they're going to want to get some of these younger guys on the field. Um, I, I really, really like Higgins. I like the upside here. It seems like he's got a pretty decent connection with Joe Burrow. And again, wouldn't be all that surprising if Cincinnati moved A.J. Green ahead of the trade deadline. It doesn't seem like he wants to be there. It seems like he's... Uh, he's ready to go somewhere else, and the Bengals have a lot of other wide receiver options. So uh, I'm buying T. Higgins, hoping that, that this consistent target share continues over the next several weeks. We love Zach Ertz here at Rotoviz. Sean Siegel loves him, and he's really been disappointing this year. And I am hanging on because mm-hmm. at a tight end position, Marcus, that is so shallow. It is not deep. There are very few options. Zach Ertz is the only game in town right now while Dallas Goddard is out. He's going to be out for a couple more games, I think. But the production has been lethal. I mean, two catches, six yards total. Is he washed? Do do they hold on here because he had a tough run? I mean, they have Baltimore this week. It's not getting any better. What do you do with Zach Ertz? Do you know how many yards he has over the last uh, two games? (laughs) I don't. I'm going to guess 13. 15. 15 (laughs) yards on 11 targets. I mean, he just might be washed. And, I mean, this is a huge game for him in week six against Baltimore. Um, Again, they are without a lot of weapons at receiver. No Dallas Goddard, no Deshaun Jackson, no Jalen Rager. If we go three straight games with him putting up absolute duds, I think it's time to seriously consider throwing in the towel. I mean, I love Zach Ertz. I I think he has always been underrated. But I think when I saw him against San Francisco in week four, when you saw what Kittle was able to do and then when you saw what Ertz was doing on offense, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's that's the difference in tight ends, right? It, Ertz just doesn't look anything like that anymore. Uh, so I'm concerned. I, I'm, I'm probably selling Zach Ertz while he has any value left. That's an excellent point. And for those people who say when the better receivers come back, it will open stuff up for him, Guys, it's not going to open up the entire field. I mean, when if he can't get targets, yeah. when Jeffrey comes back and Rager comes back and Deshaun Jackson comes back, he's not getting as many targets as he's getting now. So he's going to have to be uber efficient on those targets. And he's getting I, I targets love- now. He's getting he's gotten right. uh, twenty one targets over the last three games and hasn't even totaled a hundred yards. So. Uh, 11 targets, 15 yards. I mean, that that's a, I, I'm pretty sure, Marcus, if I ran a fly route, I could probably get one. I, you know, like, yeah, may, on. Maybe. I probably could draw a pass interference, maybe. <laughs> uh, what do we do with Kenyon Drake? Uh, Chase Edmonds' oh, factor man. is huge. I put this out on Twitter. Last year, Kenyon Drake was a major part of the offense, getting a large reception share, you know, really producing. This year, he has not been part of the passing game. Chase Edmonds has been more involved. Edmonds stole a touchdown this past weekend on a handoff there inside the 20. Kenyon Drake, I mean, it's coming. He put the note out on Twitter, don't give up on me. But at some point here, you have to say, maybe this is going the wrong way. I saw a play for him last week where he had um, 
an open lane to the right-hand side on a carry and just ran out of bounds. I mean, he had a lot of space and just kind of ran out of bounds. Didn't even try to string together a couple moves. Didn't even try to take on contact. I, he looks washed, and I, I feel bad to say it, but he does. I mean, when you watch him and Chase Edmonds run, there's a totally different uh, level of skill and talent and burst there. Uh, I know Kenyon Drake entered the season with a foot injury, and maybe he's not fully healed from that. Maybe he's trying to tough it out. But I just think there's a big gap in terms of ability right now. So I'm playing Edmonds in my lineups because I think Cliff Kingsbury is eventually going to figure out that this, you know, he's just a better player. So if anybody in your league still believes in Kenyon Drake, trade him to him because I think there's a good chance here three, four weeks down the line that Kenyon Drake is completely droppable. Where are you, Marcus, on the defenses don't matter debate? You know, I was staring at my DFS DraftKings lineups on Sunday. It's about 11 o'clock. I had the pancakes and the coffee. And I'm going, you know, no one's playing Miles Sanders today. Hmm. No one is going to play Miles Sanders against Pittsburgh. He's going to get a ton of, of opportunity. This could be the week, of course, I chicken out and Sanders goes right down the field. Now, he had the one run of 74 yards and then I think five rushes for like six yards outside of that. But with two touchdowns, he saved it. So I'm curious, when you're looking at matchups, you're trying to decide your fantasy leagues or DFS, defense, how much does it factor in? The defense itself doesn't matter too much to me. Now, what does matter is game script, right? If you think a game is going to get out of hand quickly or if you think it's going to be a slower paced game and there's just not going to be as many plays and touches, that's when I get concerned. Uh, but as for the quality of a defense that a team is going against, I, I don't really worry about it. Um, there are a few examples as the season goes along. Like you might traditionally want to devalue guys going against the Steelers uh, front four, like a running back. Uh, but Miles Sanders did hit the long run, so you return value there. But in a vacuum, I don't care too much. I care about point spreads. I care about uh, the pace of play and then how the game script goes. You know, I think it can be overvalued, and you're right. If it's a big point spread, and, you know, if Atlanta is underdog by like 10, 11 points, then you're going to say, well, listen, I don't know if Gurley's a big play. It's, it's not so much right about the defense. It's really the matchup. Correct. Yep, and that's a perfect example because if Atlanta gets down in that game by two scores, guess what they're not doing? They're not going to try to establish the run with Todd Gurley. They're going to be trying to throw the ball to get back in the game. Uh, and, that again, that matters to me way more than what the defense does. Yeah, and that reminded me. That was really, really where I started worrying about Gurley with the Dallas game. I mean, Atlanta's up big, second half, positive game script. We don't want Dak and the Cowboys offense to get the ball, and Gurley can't get the run going with a revamped offensive line, right? Like, if he can't do it then, when is he doing it? Exactly, and that's what makes me really nervous about Todd Gurley going forward. I just, I just don't see it. Is there a debate with the Mrs. Mosier on the toilet paper roll? Pull down, pull up? Is that a problem in the Mosier household? (laughs) I want every uh, single guy out there right now, when you guys eventually get hitched and you get married, do not complain about how your wife puts the the toilet paper roll. Correct. Be excited that there's toilet paper in the bathroom because (laughs) I know, listen, I'm speaking right to you guys. I know there's been times where you went to the bathroom and there's no toilet paper there and you've had to do the walk of shame out of the bathroom to go get some. Just be excited that it's there. Don't care, don't don't worry if it's you know upside down or however it's supposed to be on the internet. None of that matters. All that matters is that it's there, available to you. Single best response we've gotten to a question this year. A hundred percent truth, right there. Absolutely, Marcus. Settle these big debates for me here. I got two players, same team, same position. 
rest of the season, who do you like more? Now, New England, looks like Cam is back here against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Nikhil Harry, you know, sort of runs in place but produces – or old man Julian Edelman, rest of the season. Yeah, I like Edelman here. I just think he's going to get the more uh, the volume here. We know that he's been pretty good at staying healthy and staying on the field. Uh, I think he's the, the receiver that's going to get the high leverage snaps, the, the ones on third down, down the field, uh, in the red zone. I trust Edelman more than I do Nikhil Harry. You talked about this one before. Gallup or C.D. Lamb now with Dalton? Yeah, I actually don't think this one's all that close. I think it's C.D. Lamb. We've okay. seen what... Uh, Andy Dalton has been able to do with somebody like Tyler Boyd. Um, he's going to force feed that slot receiver. And again, when the talent's that similar, give me the guy that's in the slot that's going to be going against every team's third best cornerback. I think Lamb not only has more yardage upside, but also has more touchdown upside this season. Yeah, side question here about Dalton Schultz. Uh, people are saying that Dalton Schultz is, is going to struggle now, that that was sort of a product of Prescott. Uh, you, th- you still think he can be viable, right? Low end tight end one with, with Dalton. I don't, I don't think it's that big a difference. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, you know, the, again, the Cowboys offensive line is pretty beat up right now. No Tyron Smith, no Lyle Collins. Neither of those guys are coming back this season. Uh, it, Dalton's going to have to get rid of the ball quick. C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, those guys in the middle of the field are going to gobble up those targets. Schultz did deal with a little bit of a uh, leg injury last game. He's expected to be 100% here in week six against Arizona. So I know he put up a dud last week, expecting to be healthy and ready to go this week. This last one here is a big debate. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Now Metcalf is on fire. Lockett's been a little bit you know, below what he started the year with the last couple games. But th- is this just going to flip back and forth? Like, uh, certainly you play Seattle now coming off the bye, you're going to focus on Metcalf. So I feel like this is the opportunity for Lockett. Do you have a feeling one way or the other here? Uh, I think you're happy if you have either of these guys on your fantasy team right now. But give yeah. me Metcalf. Uh, we keep hearing Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson talk about uh, how Metcalf has the potential to be like an all-time great. Uh, I just think the more that he plays, the better that connection is going to get with Russell Wilson. We know the type of targets he get are, gets are the ones that produce a lot of fantasy points, again, down the field, in the red zone. Uh, I, I would bet that Lockett probably ends up with more receptions, but give me the upside of DK Metcalf. Thank a teacher time here, Marcus. want you to give a shout-out and thank a teacher in your K-12 years that had a huge influence on you as a person or a student. COVID, everything going on, so many challenges now in schools. Mm-hmm. Get some positive mojo going. Who's someone who made a difference in your life? Yeah, I had a, uh, a teacher in seventh grade, uh, David Bona, uh, at my school, Corey, Corey High School. Um, you know, he was the first one. I mean, I was a huge football fan going into to school, but he was the first one to kind of really ignite that flame. Um, he would be talking about NFL draft with me, uh, fantasy football. He was a big Browns fan. So I uh, was one of the first teachers to really, really kind of stoke that fire uh, to, to get me to potentially pursue this as a as a career. So. Uh, shout out to, to Mr. Bona. I know he, he still uh, follows uh, all my stuff on Facebook and on Twitter. So uh, I appreciate you. I could not have uh, been doing what I'm doing without you. Yeah, middle school teachers have a huge impact. That's a you know sort of turbulent time in life. You lock into someone there and they make a positive influence. It, it usually lasts a lifetime. That's a great call. All right, let's go DFS here. We're, you're locked in, Marcus, to every team. Want to go position by position. So I'm looking for like a sneaky DFS play, someone here a little bit lower down the totem pole. Last week we were talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, things like that. He ended up you know, really breaking out here. So curious, let's start a quarterback. Who's a guy, not one of the most expensive guys, who you think could have a, a nice week here? 
Yeah, I kind of like Daniel Jones this week uh, against Washington. I, I know Washington's defensive line is uh, pretty good, but the secondary is still a, a problem. Uh, only 5,400 on DraftKings. Uh, as long as Daniel Jones can hold on to the ball, and that's been a little bit of a problem, I think he should be in for a pretty big day. Uh, they've got a lot of weapons on the outside. We'll see about Evan Ingram. Uh, but Daniel Jones, with his running ability and his ability to make plays down the field, I think he could have a good day. Again, he had a couple touchdowns taken away last week uh, due to some, some penalties that weren't his fault. Uh, I know that the total points weren't what we were expecting against that Cowboy matchup. Uh, but, again, I think I think he's in for a big week. Daniel Jones last year, remember this, as a rookie, he had the overall QB1. He had QB2 performances in certain weeks. So the big weeks are coming. They're there, and their schedule is much easier than it was. So definitely opportunity here against Washington. Running back, always looking for the cheaper running back. We talked about Madison. Some of your, you know, Zeke is not going to be on the main slate. So who are you looking at here for running back that's sort of an, a big upside play? Oh, man, running back is just a landmine this week. There's there's really not a lot of good options. Um, but I, I'm i going to default to James White, uh, a Patriots running back. He had three carries for 21 yards uh, last week in his first game back uh, with the Patriots. Uh, still a big weapon in the passing game, seven receptions for 38 yards. Uh, you're hoping that he can get to, you know, maybe 80 total yards and a touchdown at 4,800 if you're looking for a cheap RB2. I don't hate James White this week. Wide receiver is an area that you, you usually don't want to spend up unless you're positive because, of course, the one big play, like a Mecole Hartman, for example, can really give you the week. So this is a, an area here, wide receiver, where people look for those cheap values. Who do you like here in week six? Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at the mid-range receivers, right, the guys somewhere between 550 and 650, I really like Kenny Galladay this week against Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, he's yep. been really good since he's come back from that hamstring injury. Uh, Jacksonville has had uh, some major injuries at cornerback. Uh, so if you're looking to get, you know, a wide receiver, one receiver at a decent price, uh, I think that would make sense. And then another one. Uh, this one's quite a bit cheaper. Uh, Russell Gage has been pretty rough after the first week of the season, uh, but with Julio Jones still a little banged up, wouldn't be surprised if Julio plays, uh, but is more of a decoy. I like Russell Gage this week against Minnesota. I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. I think he could see seven, eight targets. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if he gets close to 100 yards in a score in this game. Tell me if I'm nuts on this one. Last week, of course, was Brandon Cooks. I'm curious if coming up this week you think it is somehow possible, even with Phillip Rivers, that we could get that T.Y. Hilton game. Mm-hmm. It's coming. He's only 5K. He's only 5,000 on DK. He's in a dome. He's home. It's the Bengals. I mean, I know there's a lot of risk here, but I, I can see a pathway. Am I nuts? Mike, how many games of 70 or more receiving yards does T.Y. Hilton have this year? Do you know? Oh, well, it can't be that many if you're asking me. That's Go ahead. Zero. And there's also zero <laughs> touchdowns. Um, Phillip Rivers is washed, man. I think he's just completely washed, and he can't get the ball down the field. And we know that's T.Y. Hilton's game. So he's going to have to to, to, to to have any fantasy value. He's going to have to do it on sheer volume. And that's actually something that he hasn't had this season. You know, last week he had 10 targets, but before that, 5-3-5. Five, He's just not getting a ton of work. Um, unless he somehow lucks into two touchdowns, I don't see it. 
And then tight end, a wasteland here. I mean, if I keep going back to Logan Thomas, I mean, Logan Thomas, Marcus, maybe the only tight end who's actually gone down in production the last three weeks. Like the targets go up, but the production goes down. I, I don't understand it. The snaps are there. The routes are there. But there's, it just never translates into any production. Listen, I've been burned in so many DFS leagues because of Logan Thomas. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. All right, so give me a better one here. Who do you like? Oh, man. I'll give you another tight end that's burned me so far this year. How about Austin Hooper? Yeah, Um, he's coming on. Yes. (laughs) He's he's coming on. The the yardage totals have went up in every single game this season, 15, 22, 25, 34, 57. Uh, So we're on pace for a 60-yard game this week against Pittsburgh. Um, I think with Odell Beckham maybe being a little – not banged up, but he's maybe not at 100% with some of the, the sickness going around. Uh, we're seeing the targets going up there. I think this is going to be a game in which Cleveland can't run the ball as consistently as they have over the last couple of weeks. I think Hooper is a decent bet to see uh, close to double-digit targets, five or six receptions, and maybe a, maybe a potential end zone target as well. Yeah, Odell went home from practice sick. Jarvis Landry looks banged up still. He's out there fighting. I watched the uh, the NFL Game Pass tape there. Watched that one. And Hooper was being targeted early and often. That's a great call. That, that's a guy who's on the way up here that you can get at a decent price before he pops again. I agree. I think I think he's just a decent option to get to see a lot of volume this week. Time for redraft lightning round. Give me the better PPR play in week six here. So I'm going to give you two guys. Tell me who you like better. Darius Slayton versus Washington or Juju Smith-Schuster at home against Cleveland. Uh, I like Darius Slayton. It looks like uh, Denzel Ward is going to play in the slot in this game. That means Juju could be potentially wiped out, and we're going to see more of Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I like Darius Slayton in a game that I think is going to have a lot of points scored. You think Gallup's going to pop against the Cardinals or Christian Kirk, who's quietly come back from the depths of, of really no production earlier in the year, same game against Dallas? Yeah, I, I would go with Christian Kirk in this one just because Dallas is going to resort to to probably doubling DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I see Kirk having a pretty big game in this one. Two QB leagues, Carson Wentz, rough game at home against the Ravens or Nick Foles there going to Carolina? I think this is a get-right game for Nick Foles. They had 10 days off. Carolina's defense is pretty atrocious. Uh, They should have a pretty big advantage at wide receiver. I like Nick Foles. I'm running my DFS optimizers, and I'm doing my lineups now. You know how much David Montgomery comes into my lineups here? Can I trust him here at Carolina? No, absolutely not. I I do not trust David Montgomery. He he needs to break like 30 tackles to to get to like 50 yards rushing. So, no, I don't see it. And last one at tight end. Now, this one may seem easy, but I think the, the weapons is what limits the upside of the second player. Mike Gusecki against the Jets, of course, or TJ Hawkinson, who could be in a shootout in Jacksonville, but there's a lot of uh, you know receivers and offensive playmakers there. Who do you like better? Yeah, I actually like Hawkinson this week. I think that's going to be a higher scoring game. I think that Matt Stafford and the Lions are going to be moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, I like Hawkinson to get in the end zone more than I like Gusecki in this one. Want to know about movies you like with a surprise ending. Last week, Peter Overzet told me about Get Out. I then watched Get Out. I could not sleep one night. Stayed up till 4 in the morning watching it. Fantastic recommendation. So, Seven, Memento, some of the ones I like. Is there a movie with a, with a surprise ending you love rewatching over and over again? Yeah, Get Out's a great call. I love a men- Memento. That's a, that's a really good one. I'm going to go with another Christopher Nolan movie. How about The Prestige? I don't know if you've seen yes. it before. Uh, don't want to ruin that ending, but absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, please, please check it out. Christian Bale, Michael Caine, uh, another big actor. Oh, uh, 
Hugh Jackman. Yeah, that's yep. just a fantastic movie. Please, please go check it out. Amazing one. Great call. Love it as well. Excellent. Put your uh, crystal ball hat, the old amazing Kreskin hat, if you will, Marcus. Who's the hot week seven waiver wire pickup? Who's the guy low, sort of on the waiver wire, maybe still available that you think could pop? Last week, I guess it was Henry Ruggs, who was somehow sure. under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues. Is there a player you, you could see having a big week seven? Yeah, I think this week sets up for an Andy Dalton uh, big week, right? There's probably some people that are a little pessimistic about Dalton being able to put up big fantasy value, but this is a uh, Arizona defense that's just <laughs> hemorrhaging points on uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, with the Cowboys offense, with having a little bit extra time off, I do think they're going to get to 28, 30 points. Uh, I think Dalton will even add a little bit of value with his legs, so would not be surprised if he quickly, quickly has QB1 or low-end QB1 status in your 10, 12-team leagues. You know, this was amazing stuff. Marcus, one more question, then I'll get you out of here. I just want to know who's the cut the cord guy. You know, right now is, is a danger time in fantasy. Some people are one in four, two in three. You want to start really making a move and, and position yourself for the fantasy playoff. So you got to know when to hold and when to fold, mm-hmm. like Kenny Rogers says. So who do you say, listen, I get it. You took them early, but it's time to fold because if you just wait, it's not going to get any better and you may lose your trading chance. Yeah, for me, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, wow. wow. The first four games, no games over 70 receiving yards. Uh, has actually gone over 50 yards just once this year. Uh, the touchdowns have kind of saved some of his fantasy value, but with Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson getting more targets than Juju, you likely spent a third or fourth round pick on him. I don't see any way that he has wide receiver one upside this year. So uh, if he happens to have a good game against Cleveland, please try to move him as quickly as you can. Uh, otherwise, you could be stuck with somebody who's just on your bench for the next several weeks. Folks, one of the best in the business, Marcus Mosier. Got to have him here at the, the Raiders Wire. He's the managing editor, locked on Cowboys, locked on Dynasty. He's got fantasy football, NFL knowledge, covers it all. One of the great people in the business. Please follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Sir, good luck with the baby. Great stuff as always. And listen, I now know we can do like a 2 a.m. pod in January because yeah, you're yeah. going to be up, right? I'll be up no matter what. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. This is always a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.